Amen. Amen. Hey, will you help me welcome up my good man, Jason Sarstrom? Yeah! Billy, you're too big to be pushing me like that. I almost fell off the stage. <laughs> wow, what an intro. Hey, we're welcome. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we're in a series called Fine Wine Week 2. Uh, I don't know why we picked Fine Wine as a title. Uh, Ron, who's one of the pastors from Kansas. I'm from Oklahoma. What the heck do we know about fine wine? Uh, growing up in Oklahoma, I knew there are two types of wine out there. Red and white. And then a few years later, I learned about the other kind of wine. Chris, you know what it is? Rosy, or rosé, that's it, yeah. Red, white, and then you, you put the two together, right? And it makes a rosé. Anyway, I knew nothing about wine. And then uh, about like five years ago, I went with uh, some family and Molly. We went out to Santa Barbara. We went to the Santa Yez Valley. And I think Molly wanted to culture me. So we went on a wine tour and we went on like, it was like all the keywords, boutique, organic, biodynamic, uh, all those words that make it sound really fancy. So this is a picture of us at our, our vineyard, our wine tour. And so we were walking around in these amazing vineyards in the Santa Yez Valley outside of Santa Barbara. And it was just unbelievable how much goes into actually making wine. And you're like, how the fruit is grown, the seasons it has to go through, how it's picked and then how it's processed. And I was actually walking the whole time thinking, learning so much about like, this is really some great illustration of what Jesus said in the scriptures. And John 15 came to mind over and over again. This is over four years ago. I'm there and I'm going, this is so relevant to what Jesus was talking about in John 15. And so I was actually on my phone writing notes of what the tour guide was saying because there were so many lessons I was learning about grapes and wine and how it related to Jesus. And then I thought there would never be a chance where I would get to talk about wine on stage, but here we are. So I get to now share four years ago what I learned. So I want to share with you guys a little bit about that process. And the key today that I want to share with you is this is that it takes great grapes to make fine wine. You have to have some good grapes if you want fine wine to be made. You can't have bad grapes. It's all about the grapes. And as we've been in this series last week, we walked through John 15, 1 through 2. And Ron did a fabulous job. If you have not listened to it yet, you can listen to it on our podcast or on YouTube. But he talked about how God's this divine winemaker and how he's doing things in our life to, to prune us, to, to raise us up. And actually in John 15, 1 and 2, he went here and he read this. If we'll throw up John 15, 1 and 2, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. What Jesus is saying here is, is that he is this vine and God is this divine winemaker. He's this gardener that his goal in your life is to bring fruit out of your life. And again, as I read this as a kid, it goes on to say in John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. As a kid, I used to go, what does that mean? Because I used to think like, okay, I'm in Oklahoma. Vines grow up like houses and branches are these big branches coming off the trees. So Jesus is like this tiny vine and I'm a branch. I do not get that. But when I was in the vineyard, I kind of learned a little bit more. If you'll show that picture of the grape plant, we have 
This vine is what it is called, is the main root source that goes down to the ground. And then the branch is what grows along the trellis and the grapes come off the branch. In this illustration, what God is saying is that he is like this vine worker. He is doing a work and Jesus is the the trunk. He is the true vine and we are branches. And that there is a goal that Jesus has for you. It is to prune you so that you might be more fruitful. So what does that mean? Here's what it means. God has a purpose for your life. Do you know God has a divine plan for you? He has a purpose for you and you actually don't get to pick it. He gets to pick it because he's God. And so his divine purpose, his desire for you is that you might bear good fruit He wants your life to show that it is good and that goodness comes out of it. And God wants to do a work in you where fruit comes out of you. So what is fruit? In Galatians 5, we see what this fruit actually is. What is the fruit that God wants to pull out of you? What's the thing you're saying? Okay, I'm the, Jesus the vine, I'm the branch, I'm to bear fruit. So what is the fruit? In Galatians 5, it says this, that the fruit of the spirit is love. God wants you to be loving. God wants you to be joyful. God wants your life to have peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. This is the life that God wants for you. And if I were to ask you today, like, do you want this life? Do you want to be known as a loving person? Most of us go, yeah, I want to be known as a loving person, a joyous person. Do I want peace in my life? Do I want patience in my life? Yet, If you're like me, not always is this true of my life. Like I want those things and I know my life would be better if I had that kind of fruit in my life, but there are times in my life where I do not bear this kind of fruit. I told you guys a couple weeks ago when I talked like, you always relate better when I share about my bad versus my good. So here's some bad. Uh, I had somebody, I heard, overheard somebody this week t- uh, tell me how someone was talking bad about me and talking negative things about me. And I was so frustrated and angry. And so I did what any man does. I went to the gym to get out my anger. And then when you're in anger as a man, what day do you go to? Chest day. So I got on the bench and I did my own, like literally had so much anger. I did my personal PR of 135, two reps. Not that big, sorry. And I'm pushing it hard and I'm just so angry, but it didn't work. It didn't get rid of my anger. And then I go to my, my car, slam the door and I just, I'm stewing. And maybe I'm the only one, but I had the like made up conversation with the person that talked bad about me in my car with them. Anyone else ever done this? Might just go, okay, thank you. I'm not crazy. So I just started, okay, if I ever see this guy, I'm going to tell him this, and I'm going to be like this, and I'm going to tell him that you had no right, and I would talk bad about him like this, and I would do this. And I looked back, and I looked at the fruits of the Spirit, and I went 0 for 9. I was not loving. I was not joyful. I did not have peace. I did not have patience. My life was not the fruit that God wanted at that moment. So what do we do? How do we get that fruit? And for so many of us, I think that we go into, how do we get this fruit? We don't realize that there is a secret. Fruit comes from a supernatural source of Jesus and Jesus alone. You cannot bear the fruit that you want in your life. We think when it comes to fruit, 
When we're like, okay, I'm the branch, God's the vine, I'm the branch, I need better fruit, I'm gonna be a better branch. All right, today, Jason, be a better branch, be a better person, try harder, and then maybe I'll muster up some fruit and it'll come for me and I'll be a good person and that morality cycle ends up failing time and time again because I cannot produce the fruit that God wants in my life, on my own strength, in my own power. Jesus has a different solution. It is not the one you think it is. So many of you today think that following Jesus, bearing fruit is in your own power and through yourself. Jesus has a completely different solution. And that's where we pick up in verse three. Jesus says this. He says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Listen again as if Jesus was talking to you right now. He says this, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. What I see from this passage is there's really two realities that happen if you want good fruit in your life. You have to embrace kind of two realities that Jesus says in that first verse, it says, you're already clean. What does that mean? You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Jesus is actually claiming an identity over his disciples. He's not, I hope you are. He's claiming you are. You are this. You have an identity and it is in faith through me that you are already clean. So what does that mean? What Jesus is saying here is he's contrasting when he said, I am the true vine. Why does he say true vine in verse one? And in verse three, he goes, you're already clean. The true vine, which the Jewish culture pushed throughout its history was your bloodline of being a Jew, of being an Israelite, was what brought you into faith with God. Jesus, what we call the new covenant, his new establishment of our lives is no longer is it through this following the Israelite way or the Jewish way. He says, you are already clean now because of me because of what I am going to do, the word that I spoke on you. So clean comes from having faith and trust in Jesus, that your identity is now that you are a child of God, that you are in relationship with God. And the only way for you to bear the fruit that God wants in your life is to know that you are a child of God, that you are loved by God, that you have a relationship with God. And we do that by making a decision to trust Jesus, by making him Lord over our life, by going, I do not live life in my own power, in my own strength anymore. I cannot save myself. You cannot save yourself. You cannot be moral enough. Only Jesus can save you. And it is through your faith and trust in him. Today we have baptism. I'm gonna lose it after this service because Judah, my son, who's eight, is getting baptized, yes. So Judah is getting baptized. And yesterday I, I was talking to him, I'm like, Judah, you excited to get baptized? He goes, yeah, yeah. He's like, he always calls me bro now. Uh, he goes, yeah, bro. I'm like, dad. <laughs> Yeah, bro. Uh, what are you excited about? Oh, I'm just excited to show people that I love Jesus. And I want them to know that he's God over my life, that he's Lord over my life. What baptism is, is it's not saying like, oh, I'm saved because I got baptized. It's just an outward expression of what God is doing in your heart. And you're going, no longer 
Am I doing this on my own? I'm submitting to God and I am a child of God. He is my father. He is my Lord. And so when we go and celebrate baptism, what we're celebrating is just this public declaration of an inward change. And as I was talking to Judah, it just made me realize when I think of my identity, my identity of who I am, who God says I am, who Jesus says I am, you're already clean. One of the best things that's helped me is just being a dad because I've learned kind of what it looks like, this child and like father relationship. And so this, yeah, I had to work this story in somehow. Yesterday, uh, I just wanted to let you guys know, I started my professional flag football coaching career. Uh, the Buccaneers, eight-year-olds are 2-0 and oh, uh, under my leadership. It was a really, it's been really difficult. Uh, I'm just bragging on myself. No one else, I, I signed up to be an assistant coach and so did two other dads. So it was like rock, paper, shoot, who's head coach. So I became head coach. Uh, and so we are kind of, my philosophy of flag football is military academy, one in the discipline. <laughs> and then two, we run the ball. We run left, we run right, we sweep. That's all we do. Run, 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 run. And so we're up, it's, we're like, we, we get up and we're like up 14 to seven. And then the other team learns to stop us. They learned our three plays <laughs> and they stopped us. And now it's 14, 14. And I'm like going against all my better judgment. I'm like, okay, we got to throw the ball now. And Judah is the, really the best kid to throw the ball. And so I have to put my son in as quarterback. And I'm like, okay, Judah, don't throw an interception. Don't throw an interception. So I put him in and I go, just throw it to Miles on the slant route because Miles can always catch. I'm like, throw it to Miles, throw it to Miles, throw it to Miles. So he gets under and he goes, down, set, hut, and drops the ball and hits a fumble and it's the dead play. And I'm like, oh no. Actually, I wear this like whoop thing. It's like a heart rate monitor and tells all about your health. Did you know that flag football coaching is the greatest workout in the world? If you'll throw this up here, throw up that, uh, yeah, here's, here's my heart rate. So that's 100, that's 125. This is the whole football game. I burned 520 calories, spiked up to 150. I chilled out a little bit. I think it was a timeout. Came back right here. You know what this moment was? 167. The fumble! I was, <laughs> it's my kid! <laughs> so I just calmed Judah back down. I'm like, all right, Judah. Okay, just get the ball. Take two steps back. Throw it to Miles. So he gets back up. He goes, one, two. Looks, hits Miles in stride at a 10-yard pass. Miles takes it 25 yards to the touchdown. Bucks go up. We put Judah back. I actually sat Judah, so I was really proud. I was like, I don't want the parents to think I'm like giving special treatment, even though I should, because Judah's doing really good. But I sat him for a minute, and then we needed another score. I'm like, Judah, slant to Miles. Boom, another one. He went four of five, two touchdowns, converted an extra point. And I just was like, oh my gosh, I was so happy. And I go, that's my boy. That's my boy. And I was like, try to hold my excitement in. And we go to the car, and he like, we're we're like celebrating together. And he just looks at me and he goes, dad, I love you being my coach. And at that moment, he realized I was his dad and he was my son. And I loved him deeply. Do you know, God feels that exact way about you. He loves you deeply, that he knows you're his child. He wants a relationship with you. And no matter if you fumble the snap 
or if you score a touchdown, he's out there cheering you on. And no matter the pain you're in, no matter the problems you're in, you are a child of God. You are his son, you are his daughter, and he loves you and he's rooting for you. And when you live in that identity, you go, I'm already clean because of the faith I have in Jesus. I don't have to worry about the life I have, that I know that Jesus loves me. It changes who you are. Do you have this kind of relationship with God? Where you know he loves you. Where you know you have a relationship with him. Where you know he'll do anything for you. He's always got your back. It's the only way you can live the life that you want to live is through knowing your identity is that you're his child. If you don't have that assurance, what you can do today is you can just turn from living for your own way and your own self and go, I want God to be my father. I want to be a child of God. And if you're in here and you made that decision, even I would encourage you the next step is getting baptized. We have six baptisms happening, but if you're like, hey, I should get baptized. We got extra clothes. Don't worry. We'll baptize you. We got a towel. We'd love to help you take that next step today that you or a child of God. The other reality we must embrace if you want fruit in your life is this. You must know that you can only bear fruit by being with Jesus. One, you're his child, but the only way you actually bear fruit, the life that you want is by being with him, by staying with him. In verse four, this is what Jesus said. He said, remain, abide, stay with me as I also remain in you. You can't bear fruit by yourself. It must be remaining in the vine. Fruit is not through striving in our best effort. It's by staying connected to the vine. It's by staying connected with Jesus. And that word is minnow in the Greek to remain. It means just to be in his presence, to stay connected with him. To abide in Christ expresses the continual act by which the follower of Jesus sets aside everything which he or she derives, their own wisdom, their own strength, their own merit, and to draw it all from Jesus. You cannot get what you need and have the fruit of your life from your own strength, your own wisdom, your own merit. It only comes from there being this vine of Jesus and you staying connected with it. That is the only way to have fruit in your life. So many times though, we think that we got to do it ourselves when really we have to connect and stay with Jesus. And when we hear that word abide, I think a lot of people that have been in like Christian world have a pretty bad view of this. They think it's like, for me to be like connected with Jesus, I need to like get better at like getting really quiet. It'd be awesome if I could just be like in a monastery and meditate on scripture and pray and just, it's being really quiet. And then we go, but I live in a busy world. Like I, I don't have time. I don't have the capacity to just go abide. And we pit abiding and being busy against each other. If I would get less busy, then I could remain and abide with Jesus. And that is not the reality that Jesus has for us. Actually, in the time of busyness, craziness, hardship, that is the time we need to be with Jesus even more. That's when we need his love. That's when we need his life in us. We think, oh, okay, if I wasn't building this business, if I wasn't raising this family, if I wasn't so busy, then I would have this relationship with Jesus. No, in the midst of your busyness, Jesus goes, stay with me. 
be connected with me. Remain in me and fruit will come. When I was walking that vineyard, I thought of like four different things that I believe that God was kind of teaching me as I walked the vineyard. And it was just some unexpected ways that fruit grows. So for the next few minutes, I just want to share with you like four ways that fruit grows in the vineyard. And I believe these four ways are kind of unexpected situations in our own life, how we see fruit grow in our life. So the first one is this, is it takes time to grow wine. So the first condition that we have, if you'll throw up the time slide, is time. We need, it takes time for fruit to come up in our lives. Did you know that making wine is a long process? It takes three years from the initial planting of a vine to get any fruit. And then it takes two more years for vintage grapes to come out. It's a five-year process for great fruit to happen. We live in a Costco culture, though. Uh, I love Costco. Molly, like... Molly now does uh, the ordering online because she doesn't want me to go there because I buy random crap all the time. <laughs> like, we need this $300 massage thing that goes on your neck. I promise. It's a necessity. Anyway, she's like, doesn't like me going to Costco anymore. Anyway, you go to Costco. And have you ever thought how crazy it is now? Like, I can get strawberries, three pounds of them in January. There's snow on the ground. And I can get strawberries anytime I want. I can get this fruit for most of human history, we've had to be incredibly patient if you want fruit. There's a season for it. There's a time for it. The same thing is in our spiritual lives. It takes time to bear the fruit God has in your life. And a lot of times we get super impatient. Have you ever said, I wish I was further along in my faith? I wish I wasn't doing what I'm still doing. And you're like, why am I not more mature? I ask that quite frequently in my own life. I'm like, why am I not further along? Because fruit takes time. And too many people think what spiritual fruit takes is more competency. I need to know more. I need to know more of the Bible. I need to pray more, but I don't believe it's competency. I believe it's consistency, that it's a day in day out of knowing God, of connecting to God, of seeking God. We want to be connected to God, not just once a day, like, okay, I wake up, I say a prayer and then I'm good. No, if you want fruit in your life, it means staying connected to him day by day, hour by hour, Moments by moments, we are connected to God. Great fruit takes time. So if you're in here and you're discouraged, like, I wish I was further along, or I had a bad month, takes time. Stick with the process. Don't run away. So many people go out, they kind of give up after a couple of weeks. You have to stick with it. It takes time for fruit to happen in your life. In Psalm 1, 1 through 3, it says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields what? It's fruit in its season and its leaves do not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. If you want fruit in your life, what does this verse say? It's being with God. It's meditating on it day and night, hour by hour, moment by moment. And you're connected to him. And over time, you'll see 
good fruit in your life. The second unexpected way I saw in the vineyard that I think God wants to cultivate fruit in our lives is just the conditions. So in the Santa Yez Valley, it's this very interesting vineyard area, winery, because how the mountains are positioned in Santa Barbara, it's like you go north of LA and then California jets like west there, and then it goes back to north. So Napa, the mountains run north and south. In the Santa Yez Valley, they run east and west, allowing the ocean breeze to push through the valley, unlike any other valleys that are in California because of the mountain structure. And so every, because it's cooler by the ocean, the cool breeze pushes itself in every mile, a new uh, climate happens. There's one degree warmer, one degree warmer, one degree warmer, one degree warmer, creating a great atmosphere to grow tons of different grapes. This is kind of different climates. So different uh, grapes need different climates. You got kind of your white wines and your red wines. I can't say all those. So I'm only say white and red, uh, cooler, warmer. And you see that each grape needs a little bit different climate, different conditions Produce different grapes in your life. Different conditions are producing different fruit, different grapes. So many of us get caught up. We're like, oh, I wish life was like college or in high school when like it was free. I, and I, I had this experience with God and I felt like I knew him deeply. And I remember just having all this fruit come out of my life where I just felt like I was experiencing God. And then you look and you're like in work and it's super difficult. And you go, I wish I was back there. No, 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 no. This condition of your life was to create a specific fruit. This condition of your life is to produce a new fruit. God cannot do what he wants to do from the old. He has to take what is currently in your life and he has to use it. He is putting you through different conditions. He's bringing you through different changes of seasons, different climates of life to produce different grapes of your life. You might be discouraged right now and you're like, I wish I was in a different season. And so many of us look to the future, you go, okay, if when I'm in this season, when I'm like retired or when the kids are out of the house or when I have this much money, then I will be connected with God. And that condition will be better. God wants to use your current condition right now to produce a fruit in your life. When you bear fruit in different conditions of your life, it's an amazing testimony to the world. Because most people get kind of stuck. They never keep growing. They never see more fruit come in their life. And so in Matthew 7, Jesus actually says this. He says, you will recognize them by their fruits. How we know that we follow Jesus is by the fruit that is coming out of our current condition or season. So if you want fruit in your life, when that happens all of a sudden people see it and they recognize it and they, they glorify God in it. When you are dealing with the condition of your life right now and you're going, I'm going to have fruit. I'm going to stay connected to the vine, but it's not about what you're doing. It's about staying connected with Jesus. And in different conditions, we can run away from God. Don't run from him. Don't detach yourself. You will not have the energy you need. You need to stay connected to him in this condition of your life. Different conditions produce different fruits. Our third unexpected way God is cultivating great fruit in your life is through drought. It's through drought. When I was in the vineyard, I was talking to our tour guide and he goes, you know how the best, most succulent grapes, where they come from? I go, no. 
He goes, that's why different years of grape taste differently. He goes, a lot of it is because when there's a drought, the grape actually gets more nutrients because the branch has to push all its nutrients to the grape, making that fruit even better. If you go through a drought, the fruit is more succulent. It tastes better. It also has thicker skin. And I was sitting there like, oh, if that's not a good analogy, I don't know what is. That'll preach right there. So what, he, what Jesus is saying is this, is that even in your darkest, hardest moments, the drought of your life is typically where he is going to push you and you're going to have the best fruit of your life. I was talking to a friend just yesterday. She was telling me about, this has been the hardest, darkest, most harsh year of my life, yet I feel closer to God than I've ever felt. Why? Because in the drought, the nutrients push to the fruit and the fruit becomes even more succulent. And also you got some thick skin, you can handle more. For so many of us, you might be in a drought of life right now. You might be going, it just feels like I can't connect with God. You might be questioning God. You might be in a very harsh time of life. You might be going, what am I doing with my life? What is my purpose in life? Maybe. God is using a drought to bring new fruit, good fruit, the fruit that you could never get in abundance. (laughs) I so want good fruit to happen when it's raining. I got lots of money. Life is good. But in my life, that's typically not how it's worked. It always works in the most difficult, hard times of life. So if you're here, and you're in a moment or a season of drought, don't run away. Don't run away from your father that loves you. Don't run away from God because he goes, I want to be connected with you, and I want to do something greater in this season than you'd ever expect. Our fourth and final unexpected way God cultivates good fruit in our life is through the flora Okay, flora, what's that mean? Flora is just what is in a vineyard that the fruit is deeply impacted by. Flora includes all living plants, fungi. It includes the grasses, the flowers, uh, the bacteria, the yeast. Did you know on a grape, single grape, there's 50,000 particles of yeast on that one grape that impacts its taste, its flavor, and everything around it. When, while most wine is produced with commercially controlled and manufactured yeast, many of the finest wines in the world are made up with natural yeast. They're, they're made up with the, the things that are around them. And so as the bees fly around the vineyard and they, they pollinate, they land on the grape, and the grapes get this like taste of whatever is in the area. What is closest proximity of the grape changes the flavor of the grape. Think about that for a second. What's closest proximity of the grape changes the flavor of the fruit. We absorb what we are close to. We live in a crazy world, don't we? When we walk outside, no, most people aren't going, go follow Jesus. <laughs> have the fruits of the spirit. You got this. Stay connected to Jesus. No, it, it's not that. It's a crazy world we live in and the world we live in is pushing us not to the things of God, but it pushes us away from God. So how do we handle that? Because we, we know that we are to not 
be of, we're not to be of the world, but we do live in this world. You're impacted every single day by the people closest to you, by the workers around you, by your business, by people, by friends. You are impacted no matter if you like it or not. The flora is impacting you. So what do we do? What Jesus said, stay connected, remain in him. Be close to the Father because you can't handle this crazy world on your own. So I officially became a teenage dad this last Sunday. Uh, my daughter is 11. She wanted to go to a concert and it was uh, Surfaces and Laney. Who knows who those bands are? All right, look around. That's the age group that was there. It was 30 and under. Uh and so I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll take you to Surfaces and Laney. This is a picture of Sailor and I at the concert. And we walked around. Everybody's almost my same age, a little bit younger, but I'm the only one with an 11-year-old holding hands with, walking through the crowd. And so we get there, we listen. It's awesome. She has a stinking blast. And Sailor's having so much fun. And then all of a sudden, uh, Laney gets up and he, he sings a song about halfway through. And it's like about an ex-girlfriend and has a ton of explicit words. And I was like... Like, kind of like, hmm, and they put all the words on the screen, kind of like worship here, uh, so she could read all of it. <laughs> and I look, lean over to Sailor and I go, he has really bad relationships, doesn't he? And she goes, yeah. I was like, we don't want relationships like that, do we? And she's like, no. And see, in that moment, she was in the world of Laney, but who was she connected to? I was whispering in her ear, telling her what to think, how to process the crazy world around her. About uh, the very end of the concert, four songs before the end, they play this song, Dancing in the Kitchen, and this woman goes by us, and I thought she was dancing, but she was just super hammered drunk, uh, and like bump, bumps into us, and she just makes it, we're right next to the stairs, she just makes it to the stairs, and I'm sorry, people, I just gotta share vomits everywhere. And Sayla's like, Ugh! and I'm like, Ugh! and you can smell it anyway. And she's like, why did she throw up? And I'm like, well, she probably drank too much. Or she's probably on some drugs. And she's like, well, why would someone ever drink so much? I'm like, well, because people don't want to feel things. People want to get escape the reality of what they're in. And at that moment, she goes, well, why do they want to escape the reality? I go, Man, sometimes people aren't happy with the life that is around them. The crazy world we lived in at that moment, you know how Selah got through it? She was in the world, but she was with her dad. If you want to deal with the world around you, the only way to do that is to stay connected with your father, to stay connected as a child of God where he's whispering in your ear, oh, this is what you need to do. This is how we need to act. This is where we're headed. If you want good fruit in your life, you have to stay connected to him and he will tell you exactly what to do. I was praying about what to kind of end this message with. I don't have like any to-dos for you guys. But it is one thing. Let's connect with Jesus right now. It says that his presence is here and we can just get connected with him. We can be with him. We can listen to him. We can allow him to speak to us. So we're just gonna take a moment and we're gonna do communion. We're gonna sing a couple songs, but I just want you to ask Jesus to just be connected to know him, to be in his presence, to remain in him. And then from that, that you might produce fruit. Would you pray with me?
God, thank you for each person here today. God, we know that we cannot muster up enough energy, enough power, enough morality in our own power. I've tried and it's failed me time and time again, but only through your son, through his power and through your spirit, can you change us. So God, right now, I just pray if anyone is in here and they're going through a season of drought where they feel like they cannot connect with you, where they feel like they cannot know you deeply, where they feel this harshness, they feel like they're questioning things of you, God, that they would say, I need you even more, Jesus, that they would come closer and then from that, you might fill them and they might experience the fruit that you want in their life. God, I also pray if there's anyone in here today that has never made you King, Lord, and submitted to you and made you Father, that today might be the day where they might say, God, no longer me, no longer am I living for myself, but I'm going to receive Jesus as Savior, that he will be my Father and I will be his child. God, I pray if there's anyone in here today that all they might just say is yes to you, God. That's all you ask for. You don't ask for sacrifice. You don't ask for morality. You ask for trust and faith. And from that, you will produce great fruit. So God, I pray right now, if there's anyone here, they might make that decision for you, Jesus.